do you have to actively think about evolving yourself? Like, do you, do you think like you have to put yourself through certain experiences and situations in life to, to grow as an artist, as your professional output is concerned, or do you kind of let things sort of naturally take its course? Both. So one is, and I think that natural cause happens at your work desk, in your studio. My art studio is my, my space to completely be myself, you know, make experiments, go wrong, go right, etc. But the most important part of it for letting things happen naturally is being there every day. Mm, showing up. Showing up. So that's the most, uh, well, some people will say that's also a very hard part, but that's the kind of discipline. So it's an input into your creative life that you need to, it doesn't matter. You need to bring yourself to that place. Sometimes you don't have ideas. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to do next. But just being there, I think, is the most natural thing you can do for your growth. Right? But the other aspect of it is, for sure, I think it is very important for any artist, you know, to align themselves with what's going on out there, what has been done, what is being done. For example, you know, delve into history, delve into what has happened in the past in your field or get inspiration from so many different things. There are uh, museums, there are art events, there are art shows, uh, going and showing up for your friends as well when they are, uh, you know, expressing themselves. I think everything is a learning opportunity. So I do both. I spend time in my studio. That's my sacred place. That's my sacred time. That's my non-negotiable time. Even if for life comes in the way, right? I don't have more than two hours to be in the studio today. I will still, my endeavor is to still put those two hours over there, as opposed to you just skipping it all together. Hello, and welcome to the Idea Sandbox podcast. I'm your host, Rajiv. I had the absolute pleasure and privilege of hosting Preeti Verma from New York City. Preeti is a visual artist whose work has been featured in major cities like New York City, LA, Houston, Bangalore, and Singapore. Why am I chatting with an artist? Well, I believe in the power of interdisciplinary dialogue as it pertains to collaboration, problem solving, and in general sharing of good ideas from, from, from various fields. Preeti talks a little bit about her career leap that she made from the corporate world to the world of art, the angst that comes with making the switch, as well as the parts which um, is, isn't often talked about, which I thought was very interesting. And then we move into her approach to work, how she views the creative act of, uh, of putting out new work and what it means to continuously evolve and having a growth mindset and the angst that comes with changing styles within, within your career and how, how to follow your strong inclinations if you have those during your career. All of this, and we chatted about a variety of different things. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did having it. Um, please subscribe and like this episode and give me some comments and feedback. I would love to read those and uh, improve on my craft. Uh, love and peace, Idea Sandbox. I am ready. <laughs> okay. I was ready ever since you said we are live.
Great, great. Uh, but I mean, I, I mean, to be very honest with you, Preeti, uh, I, I didn't think this was going to happen. I'm so thankful it did happen that we could make this happen. You're a busy person. You're this very accomplished abstract expressionist artist from New York City. And I am this kind of Midwestern dude sitting somewhere in central Illinois. So your commitments, your the time you spend to do what you do, your craft, the, all of the things that you do, you took some time off to talk to me. I, uh, you know, I really thank you for that. I just really, from the bottom of my heart, appreciate you coming on the Idea Sandbox podcast. And I welcome, welcome to this conversation. Thank you, Rajiv. And uh, really, I'm grateful equally. So I think just as much as you know, you're looking forward to this. It was something I was looking forward to. Um, I don't think I'm as accomplished that I have no time to talk to someone who's interested to talk to me. And uh, it, yeah, it's just that, you know, uh, sometimes life just becomes chaotic and you're trying to balance several balls and juggle several balls uh, and, you know, one or two drops. So it's just been a little hectic, but I had every intention and I was looking forward to speaking to you on this podcast. Thank you. And, you know, for me, it's a big deal that you spoke to someone who I consider uh, in, a, in, in a very high regard, which is my mentor, my guru, uh, you know, artist Hairamji. Um, well, and then I'm speaking to you on the same platform. So it's a big deal for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the reason why I kind of said that so accomplished. I mean, from my viewpoint, I, I looked at your Instagram profile and all the paintings that you put up there and your website and all of that stuff. Like, I mean, it, I, I, it's just mind blowing. It's beautiful. It, the stuff that you make is just absolutely beautiful. It is exhilarating to look at. And, uh, I mean, I, I went through it a few times and, uh, I just that I, I just feel I'm speaking to somebody very important and accomplished therefore i just in my eyes yeah 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 no uh, i'm not complaining about you calling me very accomplished but this <laughs> is, may have different views on that you know it depends yeah. on what lens you're looking from and thank you for yeah. sharing the lens that you're looking at it from um i've tried to do whatever i can in last many years that i have been you know invested in following this uh, path as an artist and i'm glad it's uh, coming across uh, well to you and yeah, I yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Can you talk about how you got into that? I mean, so your website, you talk about like you were in a corporate job for eighteen years, and then you made the leap into this world. What What were you doing, and how did you get in here to, to this space? Uh so, huh? Takes me back in time. Um, actually, when I graduated from school my arts teacher mr bose this was the mothers international school in delhi in india um he told me that i must only very specifically he said this i must only apply to art schools and i don't need to really go you know searching for any other path you know like how especially in india you go for all the traditional parts okay you become a doctor an engineer or whatever or what have you you know the sort of the norms uh, but he told me very specifically that i should only apply to art schools and that also he told me which school 
JJ School of Arts, that's all. And he said, uh, you're an artist. And that's the path you need to follow. And so remember that I'm very young at this time and I'm also trying to figure out my life. And so that was great advice based on, you know, the kind of time I spent in uh, throughout my growing up years uh, in the field of arts. Uh, I know every child is a painter and I think we are all born creative. Um, so I had a lot of interest. So the school used to send me for painting competitions here and there along with two other um, two other children. Uh, so the three of us used to go representing the school for inter-school, intra-school. So his uh, advice was based on how much time I had spent doing this and whatever potential he saw. However, I applied to some a couple of good schools and I got through and I was thinking, how am I going to make a living? How am I going to support myself being an artist? And I'm talking about around 1990 mm -hmm. and uh, 1989, 1990. And I'm like, how am I going to support myself? Was I'm this out of, what, sorry to interrupt, but was this out of high school? Yeah. Okay. That's when you decide, right? What, what next steps are you going to take? What graduate, uh, undergraduate program you're going to take, uh, yeah. which will then hopefully lead to your uh, vocation, something that you love doing, but also something that can sustain you. Uh, so you're channeling your interest into uh, and into that uh, stream of academics to go into your next step. And I just couldn't figure out what will happen next after I study arts. I spent three years doing this. And then how am I going to sustain myself? And I thought a lot about it. I got through some schools, but I, at that point, wanted to be independent and I didn't want my dad to keep working so hard, uh, you know, to support my education or to then support me because I couldn't see a career path being an artist back in the day. Like exactly mm. what would I do? I could have become a commercial artist. I didn't have any interest in doing that. So it does happen that at some point I changed my path and I went into the world of, uh, you know, large uh, corporations and uh, I chose a career in, uh, or rather the career in hospitality found me. And um, I gravitated towards it because I love working with people and uh, I love being with people. I'm very curious. And it has a service element where you're being of some nature of service, you know, mm. uh, to people and that kind of appealed to me. So I decided to get into hospitality and then I stayed there for the next 18 years. And while I was down this path, for the first 13 years, I did not pursue my art. I had no mm. time. I got totally sucked into what I was doing. Hospitality is a very demanding career. I started right from training and then working in different uh, areas of uh, hospitality. But finally and majorly, I spent most of my time um, after the first three years in sales and marketing. So when you say hospitality, could you maybe be more... I don't know from more specific like is it like the hotel industry yeah the hotel on the corporate side or is it more the consumer facing side of it yeah so it was in the hotel industry so we went into that kind of world it was all corporate 
um, it was institutional. Um, I, I was just living a very, very different kind of life. Yeah. Um, and it is when I reached Bangalore, and this is almost 13 and a half years by now that I have been in the uh, industry, that I found a pace of life that was more conducive to doing something other than just my work. Mm. The pace itself, you know, just culturally, you know, Delhi and Mumbai are extremely fast-paced centers, you know, um, commercial centers, both of them. And so, as a sales and marketing person, I get extremely busy out there. But when yeah. I reached Bangalore, it's a smaller city. Back in the day, I think it was 2000 and uh, maybe three that I moved to Bangalore. And I was there till 2000, I think, eight. But in 2003, Bangalore was still a very sleepy town. Yeah. Beautiful, sleepy town, you know. And uh, it was just at the cusp of, uh, you know, the exclusion from all the uh, back office operations that were being set up out there. So yeah. I went there with my husband and he was with this company and they went there to set up the business. So I found a lot of time and after 13 and a half years, I finally got back to my art after a hiatus of 13 and a half years. Mm. I found the pace to catch my breath and reconnect with that, you know, deeply personal side to me, which was about arts. So I started painting again. And interestingly, and I never knew that, I have no idea how by then I was already married for seven, eight years. My husband never knew I was an artist. Mm. One day he came back from work and he saw me painting and I used to work on the dining table. And uh, he came back home one night and he saw that uh, I'm an artist. It was a revolution to, me, a revolution to him. And um, I suppose I was so caught up in my work that that side of me just got completely eclipsed. <laughs> and that's how I got found my way back in 2002, 2003, when I started painting again uh, into the art world. So it was a bit of a round. I was there. Then I got into, there was a inflection point and I got into the corporate world uh, thinking about, you know, some existential yeah. uh, things that I felt I needed to take care of. And then I got back into, I wouldn't say what, was just so intrinsic to me that um, it just never went away. And I found my way back to it. Very naturally, I think. Very, very naturally. And from that point, I think the course of my life started changing when it became more deliberate over a point of time. I give a very long answer to a very simple question you asked. Uh, that's the way I like it. <laughs> uh, oh my God. I, there's so many questions that you've opened up a whole lot of threads for me to ask you a lot of follow-up questions. But I, I, I just find it fascinating, by the way, that you got back into it in 2003. Like how... Um, cool, I think, something like that. Yeah, like, so did you feel any kind of resistance when you were getting right back into it? Or was it just kind of like this exhilarating experience where like, oh, God, this feels so, you know, 
I, I feel like I'm living again or something. Not that you were not feeling like you were alive or living. It just added a new dimension to your life. Was that was there kind of this kind of you know revelation moment that you just kind of you fell in love with that feeling of expressing yourself in the most authentic way? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is is that true? Is that is that true that when you're working on art, when you're putting out art, when you're on any kind, any form of art, there is this kind of like you're you're pouring out what comes to you sort of naturally from your unconscious or your subconscious to your conscious, and it does it. Did it feel that way? Is it is that how you experienced that that moment when you were getting back into it, or is it more gradual? I think all of what you said is true. All of it happened, happens, not mm. just to me, I think to anybody yeah. who, um, who's experiencing art in many different ways. And um, for me, I think it just came very naturally. As I said, I, I do believe I was always an artist first, mm. maybe always an artist so it just flowed it absolutely just flowed and uh, when i was in school we uh, in in the school they used to have uh, make these handmade papers i was very attracted to that so the first thing i did in bangalore was i went to the ashram uh, because uh, the mother's uh, shirobindo ashram uh, existed out there and i went and i bought this paper so I reconnected with that pastime. Mm. Um, I love working with that natural paper with textures, etc. I bought myself paints and I just started. And I still remember the first painting, which I still have, um, was called The Circle of Life. And that's the first thing I made. And it had all these different elements uh, from life, you know, fire, air, water, etc. And uh, if you ask me, what was I thinking? I don't know, but I was thinking about circle of life because it, it was a full circle for me suddenly. Mm. I didn't realize that as I was doing it. I wasn't doing it with the intention of, with any deliberate intention of, oh, I am an artist and I must change my path. None of that. It was just that I had a need to express myself. I found the pace and I got in touch with I don't know if I can call it my roots, uh, but something very deep inside me. And uh, that's how it started. And a lot of what artists do is conscious, but there is a huge subconscious element to it also. And there are different kinds of art, you know, but I don't think any of us can escape our subconscious. And it's more so evident when you're painting and you're doing something abstract. I think it's even more, uh, it plays into it even more because you're not, it's not represent, re representational. You're not looking at something and then trying to, uh, you know, convert it onto an image on your canvas or your paper or whatever it is, right? So were you always like drawing abstract figures or was it sort of naturally evolved over a period of time? 
Um, I don't think you can just start from abstract. It's a process, it's a journey. Yeah. Traction also comes from the objective. So I think the object or the objective uh, comes before the non-objective uh, expression, which is abstraction. So, okay, so you'll have to bring it down to my level. So I'm, I'm. Uh, uh, let, let me let me rephrase what I said, uh, so I don't get misunderstood. I'm. Um, what I was asking was um, the 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 kind of style you have with your your current style, I should say. Would it be fair to call it abstract? expressionist art art or paintings yes um though i i think i am more in the category of uh, you know visceral abstraction or figurative abstraction where it's some sort of a culmination of figuration and abstraction so when you look at some of my paintings you will see some recognizable elements in some of them okay uh, but i'm striving for pure abstraction as I'm going along. So most of it is an abstract expressionism is a movement um, that has inspired me a lot. And I think is at, is at the core of uh, all the uh, artwork that I do. Can you describe to me what abstract expressionism is? Ooh, technical. I think, I mean, to put it very simply, as you were asking me, uh, did I start with abstraction? You know, it's more about the essence of something that you see, that you translate. It's how you feel is what gets translated into lines and shapes and the kind of paint to depict that mood okay. or the energy, you know, how your strokes are going. It could be soft, it could be aggressive. All of that, and that is very different from, let's say, um, I tell you to paint a fire, you know, there's a fireplace and there is a fire going on. So one, so an if for an objective uh, painting, you would look at that and you would try to replicate, you know, the flames, what all different tones or values or colors, etc., are there in it. And you're trying to replicate it such that when I, by the time you're done, when I look at the fireplace and I look at the fireplace you're created, I can see the lightness, you know? I can say, yes, this is a fireplace. And in your case, I can say, this is the fireplace that I see in front of me, if I'm in the same area. Or mm. if I'm not, if it's hung on a wall or it's in a museum, it's in a gallery, I can look at it and I can say it's a fireplace. But what if I told you, don't let me recognize that, right? How would you paint the fireplace without making it actually look like the fireplace? What would it be to you? How would you depict, you know, that structure or the flames or the warmth from it or the brilliance from it, mm. right? Or the fumes coming out of it, if there are fumes. How does it make you feel in that moment? What are you receiving? It's what your eyes see and what's your, what your mind uh, sort of uh, experiences or calculates in that moment. How do you translate that experience? That would be abstraction. 
it could be anything it could be uh, you know uh, children playing in the garden so one painting of that could be actual children playing in a beautiful you know green garden there are flowers and you're painting those flowers you know whatever it is um there are trees and we can see that and we can get sucked into it you know you you look at that painting and when it's so realistic and it's so beautifully done or whichever form it is done and where you can see there are trees there are plants there are children the, a, a good work of art should invite you and you are there in the garden with those children experiencing that you know that smell of the grass etc so that's one thing the other is that you take that sensation and you translate it with paints with maybe the green colors maybe the kind of shapes that you create maybe there are some hints of uh, some kind of playfulness which is not in form of a figure but in some nature whatever is the imagination of artists or however they want to express it um, and that would be abstraction Okay, and it could could it be anything that you want it to be? So if it's if you're trying to depict a child, could you depict it with some geometrical shape instead? Yeah. Or are there rules to to it that it has to have like some human-like figure in it? No, no. Okay. No, it is. Uh, from what I understand, it is mainly, in a sense of what is in front of you okay so it could be however you want to it could be like a bunch of triangles yeah right could, but could, it's, could, it's so individual it's it's not some i mean there are rules of drawing and painting of course and famously picasso used to say to break the rules you have to know the rules first mm. right so there are rules in the how you use the medium you know the paints you know there are oil paints there are acrylic paints there are watercolors um how you lay them on top of each other you know uh, and what kind of materials support uh oils uh, versus acrylic which are water-based or watercolors and other lots of other media so those there are those uh, fundamentals which are good to know so that you can make a work that is strong and it can also last plus it can do what it was intended for Mm. So, um, so yeah, that there are rules, but there are no rules for imagination. There are no yeah. rules for, uh, you know, creativity. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Um, so, if I, well, I've been I've been doing this on my phone for a few years now. So, I've got a stylus on my Samsung Note and uh, have this app called Concepts. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a, uh, it's just a you can do a lot of freeform stuff or there's just you know you could use guides and stuff like that anyway um i've been getting into that more seriously for the last five to six months now and uh every time i'm creating something creating something new it's it's joyful it's it's fun it, it there's a sense that something is coming out of me that needed to come out in 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 some way but there's also a lot of formlessness and like amorphous stuff on there and uh, I mean, it's like, but it's okay. I, I find a lot of satisfaction at the end of it. That's why I was asking. I guess part of my question was that, could you just do it to get your 
just whatever is out in inside of you just out there without any objective you know can you just do the thing that comes to your hand so to speak and it looks good to you you mean not look at something but yeah uh, translate something that you're experiencing yeah yeah sure but you know nothing i again my personal views and i'm sure maybe they're different and uh, from somebody else's, but I don't think anything exists in isolation, mm. right? Even what I'm experiencing emanates from something. It could be memories, maybe just that feeling of how I felt when the balloon guy used to walk around the street, uh, you know, in my native place. And the joy that I experienced when this guy would come with all these colorful balloons as a child. Or it could be a memory of sadness about some incident. And all of it will express itself differently. Mm. Right? So it can emanate from, you know, it doesn't have to come from an object. Okay. It can come from anything. I mean, for example, uh, an emotion of love, right? Uh, sometimes it's very hard to pinpoint exactly one thing that you're feeling when, you know, uh, you've got your butterflies in your tummy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Love of different kind. So. I had some of that this afternoon. <laughs> huh? Sorry? I had some of that this afternoon before I was talking to you. Yeah, so if you, if I think the idea is to um, the idea is to um, channel that energy. Mm. And you know, as I'm going along, I'm realizing one very important aspect of being an artist. It has always been true, and I don't think that can ever go away, no matter how much technology we get into the fray. Um, but being an artist is also about being in touch with yourself at a very deep level. It is not about deciphering the subconscious, right? It's not about, and we can spend a lifetime deconstructing not only other thoughts, processes, for example, you know, historians or theorists, etc., etc., but our own. Because at the end of the day, we can educate ourselves, right? Mm. And it's great to do that because it adds value and richness to your thinking. To and know more about yourself is what you're saying. Both to know about what's going around you, what has been done. Um, yeah, I'm talking about art and uh, or anything for that matter right i feel like all those rich experiences that you have in life of education of interactions etc etc everything feeds into who you are mm -hmm. and so we can spend a lifetime trying to deconstruct just that let alone plethora of education that is available there but at some point the most important thing i think for an artist is to deeply connect with themselves so that you really understand what are you trying to translate or what do you want to translate? It's not always very obvious to us, as obvious as it may look for you to sometimes see something. Not all of it is obvious. There are there are a lot of struggles. There are uh, blocks. Mm -hmm. You've got a writer's block, right? Mm -hmm. There are blocks. There are times I've sat in front of my a canvas 
maybe halfway through. I, I know it's not done, but I'm sitting there and I am just not able to speak to it anymore or it is not talking to me. I've literally sat in front of a canvas saying, talk to me. Wow. Right? So it's a very deeply personal experience when you're creating art. Um, you have to dive into any ideas or issues that you're dealing with that you want to express uh, by way of, you know, art or anything personal that you're experiencing that you want to translate. Did I make sense? You made a lot of sense. I'm trying to process it. <laughs> I think it's the same as for you, right? When you decided that you want to speak to different people, and uh, we've had conversations in the past about your motivations in doing that, and they're uh, all very interesting. You're a seeker. I'm a seeker too. Hmm. I want to talk to people, um, and that's your motivation. You've dug deep inside to see what is it that fulfills you yeah and this amongst other things that you do gives you that sense of fulfillment i don't think it's any different for an artist that i'm not happy if i see something that i've made um and it doesn't fulfill me and there are times that you know people come to my studio and they're like oh this is done this looks great you should stop now all well-meaning advice mm -hmm. or thoughts and I really appreciate people coming into my studio. In fact, I welcome them. Uh, but the thing is that it needs to rest with me. You know, no matter how much somebody says that uh, this is done or um, I, I think you should stop working, an artist will find it extremely hard to adhere to that. You have to reach a point of satisfaction and realization, some sort of a self-realization with the work. That, yeah, it is at that point. And with painting, it's so hard, right? When you look at so much paint on a canvas, you're like, how do you ever decide which mark is the last mark? Mm. But believe me, artists do know when to stop. They find it very hard, but they do know when to stop. And that point is very deeply personal. Yeah, for me. <laughs> Excuse me. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go ahead. What, what were you saying? I'm sorry, I lost uh, that thought. My throat got a little scratchy. Yeah, so I was going to add to that where, to me, it's it's kind of weird when I had this one podcast with this guy, data scientist guy, whatever. We spoke for a couple hours. And during the conversation, you know, you have this sense, you're not thinking, you're just kind of having it and then you're talking and back and forth and all of that stuff. And the whole thing was done. And I just didn't want to look at it for a long time for almost like few, four, five, six months, because I felt just, you know, one, it's, I felt like it's kind of vain to go back and look at yourself, blah, 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 whatever, whatever judgment I had. And the other one was like, yeah, it was okay. You know, kind of like this kind of mediocre feeling about it. But then I, one day, um, I opened it up and played it. I was in a different kind of a mood, and I thought, "Oh yeah, this is this is okay. This is not so bad. This is this is okay. I shouldn't be so hard on myself or so dismissive." Um, so it's kind of like weirdly, and that's happened on s several podcasts like that. And some 
one of it actually i felt really kind of very down like i'm like i'm never going to look at this ever again i'm done with this i put it out and uh but then because i was like stumbling for words i was looking for things to talk about with this person the, it was way out of my comfort zone and things like that the subject matter and then it was just an hour uh, conversation whatever um and then i was like man i'm never going to look and then again almost like 7 8 months later i've been in a different mood i kind of open it up and then it I was like oh yes it's not that bad actually i i was trying to make sense and the person who was talking was very interesting so we we kept it going so anyway that there right there is a great example of all the different stages of creation hmm right the whole thing was baking while you came to that point of uh, either accepting changing editing etc whatever you did to say okay now i am ready to share this with the world but i had already shared it at that point oh you had already shared it <laughs> oh, <laughs> these are like uh, these are like uh, uh, what are they called <laughs> this is the postmortem yeah yeah i i don't really shared it but i never wanted to look at it like like you know i sometimes i like to look at it but if i feel like well i had i had this good conversation with this person i was you know i like geeta ramanujam she's this extremely accomplished storyteller lady i actually wanted to go and see some parts of it because she had made some very interesting points and i so that's one example but then a lot of it is also like i put it out there and i'm like i'm not going to look at it cuz i was just kind of like uh, it's hard enough to have the conversation now i have to go back and look at myself stumbling through it you know that sort of thing but then it turned out that i did okay you know and the conversation was actually interesting to me um and, and people gave me feedback and it was good or whatever um yeah it takes it it takes time sometimes for me to sort of really kind of um like you were saying just kind of um i don't know process it internally subconsciously or whatever and then when i look at the product i'm like maybe i'm a little more forgiving to to myself um or maybe i have this kind of perfect view or vision for what a conversation should be and this was whatever the perfect is there's no perfect there's there's no absolutes there right like but then it's an, it's an it's it was fun in another way that i just didn't I had this kind of lens put on it. I was like, I had an expectation on it, but then it was like, no, it was also good from a different angle. I just I had to change my my perch, my perspective to look at it differently. You've just described everything I do every day in my studio. Wow, really? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's the creative process. You know, you uh, you're painting and you. i don't know how many times i do this dance of you know going close to the uh, canvas going away from it going close to it looking at it from different angles and experiencing it as trying to experience it as as a whole mm. you have to keep shifting your perspective you know because nobody just stands in front of a canvas in one angle and keeps looking at it people are going all over the painting to experience it so before that happens i experience my work from different perspectives you know physically intellectually etc mm. and uh, at some point i think that i've reached that point of resolution 
which doesn't mean you will receive it in the same way. But as a creator, at that point, most of the times, I'm at peace with it. Sometimes I may give up and I'm, I, I may say, you know, really, I don't think I can do anything more with this. There is nothing more that I want to say here. Mm -hmm. And I leave it. So I think it's very, it's a very normal creative process that you create something during your creation, you're doing all these things. And, and then you, after it's out there, um, it gives you some fodder for looking at what you've done. So many times I look at my past works, like even something I did two years back sometimes, or four years back, or I keep looking at works that I created, you know, the first, uh, when I, after that hiatus of uh, 13 years and those are still very important works and I know there is some connection and in some ways I am going to go back to it. I still don't know what, how, because it's very different from what I'm doing right now. But there is something that I was doing there that I will, I, I have now after so many years, the desire to pick it up again. So that's point of, that's part of all the reflection you do as a creative person. Nothing is like, oh, it's done and never to be, you know, looked at again. Everything I do from now until however long I walk this uh, earth as an artist, everything is related. It's not like one day I suddenly become a different person and because I've created, instead of a painting, I've created a photo book. It doesn't mean I've uh, changed my style or I've become somebody else. No, I have found a different way of expressing myself within a similar realm. Yes, I could be working on different series and um, I suppose you're hearing the New York sirens that there are so many of. Uh, okay. it, oh, it's not coming. Okay. So um, uh, different ideas can sometimes demand uh, different uh, mediums to express it, right? But the hand of the artist, you will be able to see it throughout their oeuvre. You'll be able to say this is this person's work. You'll be able to see those subtle, not so subtle connections. It could be visual. It's it's in the articulation. It's in, uh, you know, maybe the themes that the artist is addressing. And uh, so on and so forth. Everything we do is connected to each other, including in your career. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, how was that? How did your corporate life, the you, I mean, you've lived, I'm guessing, in a very kind of structured way. You were going about your work, right? Like there were strict parameters around what you did and what you didn't do and results and numbers and things like that. And then you're going to this world where there is a sense of formlessness, if I'm if I'm not mistaken there. There's, there's this kind of, there's no structure. And then you put structure to things. Or am I even thinking about it correctly or is there structure it's just that it's a different kind of structure it's an excellent question excellent and one that is uh, definitely very um, uh, personal to me um, i thought i was leading i led you into asking that uh, in a very unplanned way <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think but as you were speaking i sort of knew you were going in this and i think it's a it's a really, um, you know, great thing to ponder about. Uh, 
you're absolutely right in the corporate world everything is so structured and uh, you have these outcomes right that you think about that you have to work backwards from and when I went to art school in 2011, so this is after Bangalore when I moved to Singapore. And uh, uh, to backtrack a little bit, I had my uh, I had my first show, uh, which was formed of these works that I started making again. And Hari Ramji saw my work, and he uh, felt like there was potential there, and uh, they were having uh, a um retrospective he and some of his other art colleagues uh, and they invited me to show five of my uh, works over there so that kind of inspired me and spurred me on even more you know it kind of firmly put that thought in my head about slowly getting back initially without my realizing but eventually I became very focused about doing that. And when I left Bangalore and I went to Singapore, there's this amazing school there. And I uh, applied and got through. And the very challenge that you're talking about is what I faced in the first year of my art school. And one day, one of the profs told me that, Preeti, you can't think about it like this. You can't think of the outcome. He actually spelt it out. He said, you can't think about the outcome. That's not, I understand you've been in that world. And he really picked on it, mm. that you've been in that world. So he realized why I was doing it. You know, I'm thinking about, let's say, let's call it for the lack of better words, a product or a finished product, and then working backwards from it. And he did not agree with that approach. And he accepted that I may be used to doing that. And I've done that for almost 20 years. And I have to change my outlook. I have to lose the structure. It was hard. Mm. I came from this very organized, put together world into this very uh, sort of ambivalent world of art. And initially, my head was spinning because I had to really lose my very tight grip on the real world. And you know, experience that, uh, like you said, formlessness. And it wasn't easy. It's 20 years of wiring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your, your brain is kind of well-worn in those pathways, right? Absolutely. And it was challenging, I will admit. It was really challenging. I had to really loosen my grip on everything I held very close to myself because I was so used to approaching things in that fashion and um, i would say probably by second year of uh, art school i uh, was probably a little more uh, ingrained in how i uh, needed to approach things in, in art world but it has taken me a long time still yeah I sometimes when uh, I find myself uh, doing certain things in unstructured, <laughs> I wouldn't say artists are not structured. That's That'll be very wrong. Mm. Artists are not unstructured people. I think it's a myth. Everybody thinks artists are like these, like these lost professors, you know, walking around, just uh, thinking of things in the, in, from thin air, etc. No, you can't. Uh, that's that's not how you can make something which is valid and concrete and wholesome. It comes from somewhere. So, you know, you have to structure your thought process. 
Like that can't be unstructured as an artist, right? So, it, but it was a problem initially. I really, really had to loosen it. And as I got, I would say that the first point of a change happening is an acceptance. I am so grateful to that professor who actually managed to say this to me word to word in a very candid way, right? Mm. He didn't mince his words. He just told me as he saw it that I'm acknowledging that you've done this, but I'm telling you it will not work here. I'm so grateful to him. Mm -hmm. Therein started so that acceptance that yes, I'm doing it, evaluating my methods, evaluating my outlook. And as I got more and more entrenched into, you know, the art world, you know, through education, you know, I was studying art history, I was studying art theory, I was surrounded by art all the time. I slowly, slowly started uh, uh, warming up uh, to this uh, new way of uh, looking at things. But I will say that my past life definitely has, as I said, everything is connected, right? I'd had a certain kind of experience in life. And as an artist, you're weaving those things in your work. Just experientially. Mm -hmm. Just experientially. Like I've had a life rich with human interaction. It's given me an opportunity to look at people, relationships, human behavior at a very close quarter. All kinds of human behaviors. And at all levels, you know, you're dealing with a CEO. You're, I remember one time when I interacted very briefly with uh, Dalai Lama. Oh. You know, there are creatives, there are artists, um, there are business people, there are heads of states, etc. It's like the entire spectrum of humankind out there is something that I I have gone through. I'm blessed and I feel grateful for that. You know, sometimes when I think of, oh, had I started this back in the day, I would have had an additional 20 years of experience of being an artist. Mm -hmm. I do not live in that regret at all. Because I know what I gained in those 20 years is equally valuable. Yeah. And I may not today be able to fully translate that yet into things that I want to make, create, speak about. But I know it is all connected. It comes out in different ways and uh, it will keep informing my work. That's what I mean by, you know, everything is connected. Yeah, yeah. Like this, kind, this kind of conservation of energy where you put in so much in other times and, and situations in your life that has to ultimately and this is my belief anyway i'm trying to add to this conversation is that yeah, I, absolutely. I, I feel like there's there it's you've when you've put in all this all that work you've persevered on various different things and then you move to another thing it's not like that that thing the that you did in the past evaporates there's this no. you're bringing no. to bear all of that in some unconscious ways in some conscious ways i guess um I, I mean, that, that's something I have to ponder sometimes, right? Like, because I, like, similar to you, I, I mean, if it just similarity in the corporate sense, like I worked for close to 18 years now and, and then go into this world, which is again, you know, kind of unstructured and all of that stuff. And I, 
initially, at least I would ponder over that thing, like, man, I spent all this time, you know, people are climbing corporate ladders and this and that, like all the, you know, the, the rest of my cohort, my peers are all doing these other things, but I just chose to get off the bus. And then, and then like, what, like what, sitting with a camera and talking to very interesting people like yourself. Um, but then how will this all translate? And it does translate in yeah. the, uh, in some, some of it in the conscious sense. Definitely, I had the opportunity to work along some amazing engineers along the years that have given me their wisdom. But anyway, I don't mean to make it about myself. No, no, why not? But that's a very, very valid uh, point. And you can see how it builds up, right? Your ability uh, to communicate with all the people from different walks of life. Um, and maybe some more than the other, you know, uh, who are uh, from a similar background as yours. Yeah. Your experience in that field gives you an ability to have engaging conversations, right? And your experience of being out there in the world gives you that edge. As opposed to somebody who's just, uh, uh, you know, out of uh, college, who's uh, approaching things from, you know, uh, I don't know, from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So experience to me um, is, uh, you know, it can just never be uh, undermined of any nature, I think. But the point is that, you know, if you make something of that experience, sometimes in life we can go through so many uh, episodes or so many different kind of experiences. And I was telling you earlier that it takes a lifetime to just deconstruct your own thoughts, your own life and experiences, right? Sometimes even figuring out how are these things connected or what can I make of this? How can I pour this into something else, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I see everything as a as an opportunity to learn and grow. And uh, it's a growth mindset. So if yeah. I'm in any situation and it can be a bad situation, right? It can be a bad situation. Um, you know, I, I just feel, okay, so what can I learn from this that can I can apply uh, to some other aspect of my life or, you know, how does it help me to, uh, once you're done going over the dramatics of it, that you think about how can this help, how can this feed into something else that I may want to do? How can it help me to become a better person or how can it uh, inform some of what I'm doing? Right. So that's what experiences do. They expose you to different aspects of life. Uh, what is that phrase? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Gained. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So true. Yeah. You can keep protecting yourself from things and say, oh, no, that's not my path. I don't want to do that. Or be scared and say, no, no, I'm an engineer. How can I possibly? possibly do photography or how can I um, I'm too scared I, I can't do this I can't do that for different reasons right or that it doesn't fit in with what who I am in the outward uh, in the outer world and so I, I I'm not going to do it but the point is the minute we give ourselves that freedom to just be whoever we can be uh, in a very authentic way it is all going to add up Sometimes mysteriously, sometimes it will take time for us to figure out when it happens. Yeah, for me, it was definitely the 
fear of not having enough money to lead my life, really. <laughs> you know, so. It's a real fear. Yeah. It's an absolutely real fear. Yeah. And even for me, right, when I was in a, in the corporate world, I had a paycheck that came every month. Right. From going from there to not knowing when where my next paycheck is coming from, it's not easy for us in the creative world. So how did you how did you cross that 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 how did how did you cross that bridge or I guess what what um, at what point did you say all right this is it man I'm going to do I'm going to pursue this no matter what happens if I don't make money or fame or whatever I or maybe you hit that point I don't want to put words in your mouth but was there a point like that for you to say this is i'm going for, i'm going to swing for the fences and whatever happens happens and then things just sort of fell in place afterwards yeah in first year of uh in first year of art school that happened for me in first year of art school when i told myself this is it because when i went to the art school after being in the corporate world for so long i wasn't sure right I had a deep desire to study arts. I was an artist, but I had left, lived a different life. I wasn't sure this was going to work. And my thought process was, so if it doesn't work, I don't end up pursuing arts as a career. I can always go back with all the experience I have. I can always go back to doing a job and you know, doing something that I love doing. And uh, that's that. Mm -hmm. In the end, I would have still followed my heart and my passion by at least studying something that I had been wanting to study 20 years back. And I was deeply passionate about that. Mm -hmm. I was very committed to that idea at that point in time that I want to go to the art school. I want to study fine arts. And then we'll take it on from there. That's in the end, at least I don't lose anything. I gain knowledge. I gain mm -hmm. that new experience. But in the first year when I went, uh, in, in the, when I joined the school and I was there, I, I just felt like fish in water. I thought I had found my world. This is my world. These are my people. This is where I belong or I want to belong. You know? Wow. Okay. <laughs> very clear to me in the first year that this is it. I am not going back to any corporate thing. I am not going back to any job. This is my life. This is what gives me true meaning, true joy. And it totally fulfills me. It was just a very deep connection. And then all, all bets were off. That's when I just jumped into it with all my heart with all my resources with all my time i was just in it no confusion thereafter was there kind of an effortlessness to the whole thing like it was kind of just naturally coming to you all of those things to just work hard at it all of that stuff absolutely i as i said i i I was fish in water. Mm -hmm. Fish that was, uh, so whatever that fish feels when it's in water, 
Yeah. <laughs> I just know the phrase, but I can imagine a fish in water is its natural praise, right? Yeah, it's it's such I feel like that sentiment is so underrated in society. Like you where you sort of feel you know, I, I guess coming from like even the societal I don't know if, if you would call it brainwashing or there's a societal messaging, there's memetics at play. People want you to conform to a particular a life, a, you know, or society has this kind of expectation out of you, blah, 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 all of these things. And in my case, at least I can speak for myself, is that I, you start living that sort of, that way ultimately, because you you start believing your own story at some point. Um, and then at some point, like after, like I said, 17, 18 years, I felt like, man, this just, I'm not getting my it scratched here. You know, there's this thing that I want to do and I want I want to bring to bear all these qualities that I have, but then I just can't do it. And and then you're I'm worried about like society looking at you this way. And and it did happen ultimately. It, it all of these things happened that I feared, like you know, people calling me and trying to walk talk me out of it and this and that. Um but then there's that moment when you step in and you feel like, wow, this is great. This is exactly this feels like the thing that I would do if nobody paid me or paid me, I would just get up and do this thing because it brings me infinite amount of joy and satisfaction. And then that 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 sort of emotion itself will sort of carry you from there. You don't have to worry about you know where that next paycheck or whatever is going to come from. I I know I'm I'm speaking from a very privileged viewpoint. I I'm in the U.S. I had a job and all that. I get all of that, but I'm just saying from as a general rule. It just makes sense to me that that's that would be sort of the not the aha moment, but that's that would be a signal from in, your inside to say you're just gonna like keep going, just put one foot in front of the next and just keep going. I had that fear originally initially when I started is that like oh you're thinking long term and all this is gonna crash and burn, especially if it's on the internet. You know, people are gonna see all your successes and failures and stuff. Like I'm gonna be embarrassed and all of it. Like. Like, don't worry about any of that. I had to really talk my way back out of that and say, all right, one foot in front of the next. And you, are you enjoying it? Are you bringing to bear all the things that you wanted to do? If you are, then that's fine. Just keep going. And, you know, don't, just, just do the thing that brings you that ultimate happiness or joy. I don't know. Yeah. As the uh, live the true, authentic version of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's it, it is challenging, right? Like you said, that there is a picture of you that you had in mind, or a picture that uh, world around you makes you believe uh, about who you are. Right. Uh, all of us struggle from it in at di at different points, right? So um, it's not an easy journey. This is called being human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's um, part of the process. There are no easy paths. There is no bed of roses. There is no prescribed uh, no free lunch. roadmap. There is no prescribed roadmap that when this happens, will that will go right or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think more and more we are realizing that it's not a linear path and it's fine. I think now we live in a world, I mean, I would say 20 years um, or whatever, 20, 25 years back. I don't think that's the world we lived in, right? There mm -hmm. were 
there were like a certain ways that you were expected to um, you know present yourself lead your lives but now i'm i'm actually really excited about uh, you know the world we are in today which is which accepts a lot more uh, originality and um, non linear thinking expression it, it's a great time to be in absolutely great time to be in and whatever you and i have done in the past it's the time to you know express it all and take opportunity in uh, this time how do you um how do you keep yourself like do you have to actively think about evolving yourself like do you do you think like you have to put yourself through certain experiences and situations in life to to grow as an artist as your professional output is concerned or do you kind of let things sort of naturally take its course both so one is and i think that natural course happens at your work desk in your studio my art studio is my my space to completely be myself you know make experiments go wrong go right etc but the most important part of it for letting things happen naturally is being there every day mm showing up showing up so that's the most uh, well some people will say that's also a very hard part but that's the kind of discipline so it's an input into your creative life that you need to it doesn't matter you need to bring yourself to that place sometimes you don't have ideas sometimes you don't know what you're going to do next but just being there i think is the most natural thing you can do for your growth right but the other aspect of it is for sure i think it is very important for any artist you know to align themselves with what's going on out there what has been done what is being done for example you know delve into history delve into what has happened in the past in your field or get inspiration from so many different things there are uh, museums there are art events there are art shows uh, going and showing up for your friends as well when they are uh, you know expressing themselves i think everything is a learning opportunity so i do both i spend time in my studio that's my sacred place that's my sacred time that's my non negotiable time even if for life comes in the way right i don't have more than 2 hours to be in the studio today i will still my endeavor is to still put those 2 hours over there as opposed to you just skipping it all together so yes i do invest in that you know mindset and routine and uh, reading and learning and growing and looking at art around me uh travel if i need to be to see some you know something that's inspiring to me spend time with my um, art colleagues i think having uh, connections and uh, having a community is a very important part of it as well um and i actively seek to engage with uh, people who are uh, similarly inspired you can probably hear a chainsaw going in my background if it happens too much no uh, i I you can't. can't. All right, thank God. Um, I have my garage door open. This is my garage studio, so I have my garage door open, and uh, most of the time it's kind of quiet. But then there's sometimes people trying to cut wood and stuff. We're in the Midwest, unlike New York City. 
as i said we have our own challenges we have a siren every second oh okay yeah that's right that's right <laughs> right yeah so you um that's fascinating to me that you there's both aspects of it you're you're actively sort of challenging yourself to go experiencing things reading up on things and i mean there's there's definitely parallels to that i in my kind of line of work that i'm trying to get into is that is also like you know reading up books educating myself on history or trying to follow certain people um and their thoughts or whatever or get mentored by certain kinds of people um but i also like sometimes i have this kind of conflicting mindset that maybe if i get too much into that groove like if i'm trying to follow what the world is going maybe i i get so immersed in it where my i don't know i don't know if if i'm making the right point i was going to say if it's going to affect my originality it's not going to like i'll i'll give you a concrete example no, i maybe... understand what you're saying i um uh, you know I, it's it's possible that one can think like that right because for example i'm going around and seeing all the art around me done by different people i sometimes can also worry about the fact that i hope if i'm seeing so too much it's not influencing the way i'm going to express myself because we are such visual people right mm-hmm. but and and i think the third aspect of the previous question was one is to spend time at your craft your art second is to you know constantly be upgrading uh, your knowledge and uh, engage in those activities or uh, discussions etc and the third which is very important is to spend time with yourself so i think it's very important to actively take time out to delve into what you want to say fine you've seen all this you know we've all studied history um we're all looking at current affairs etc but what is it that you want to do with that information and that's the hard part actually right how do you assimilate everything and in order to be say relevant because all of us want to be relevant in some ways right how do you align yourself through all that experience and that takes self uh, self reflection so you need to also take your time i try to do that as well and i'm increasingly feeling that i want to take more time out to spend just just to spend time with only me with nothing else around and i live in a very very active city with just so much stimulation so much inspiration so much activity um i think i'm increasingly feeling i need to go away for a few weeks spend time at a residency or something um and just assimilate and i think it's very important to do it from time to time so you're in touch that's a, that's the part about you know a deconstructing deconstructing uh, your own thought process um so all of it has to be the thing is you know when you're trying to do something i understand what you're saying when you're looking at it it's easy to sometimes maybe get influenced and say oh um 
maybe this is a good way of doing something or approaching it. You've seen it working for someone, right? Right. And you, or you like something and you feel like, I like that. I want to do that. You know what? Sometimes give yourself permission to just pursue that thought. Mm-hmm. If you pursue every strong inclination, in my own experience, if you pursue every strong inclination about, you know, I think maybe I can, I can do that. I like that. Or I like that outcome. I think I want to create that too. You will find it in no time as you start pursuing it, if it is something that speaks to you or not. If it doesn't speak to you, you are not going to pursue it because you will not feel fulfilled. And that's why, you know, sometimes I initially, when I was doing that uh, series that you had asked me about once, Nefeli Bata, I was doing this series. It was a very um, eye-catching kind of a form that I was making. And uh, some of my friends told me, oh, don't put it on Instagram. You know, somebody somebody can easily copy what you're doing. It never uh, scared me because I'm like, um, the thing is that I do not believe anybody can really copy what I'm doing because they don't know what's behind that thought process. They can only look at a visual image, but they don't know how I arrived at that, right? Until you can do that, it can never be the same thing. I don't think anybody can really, uh, you know, go very far with that kind of likeness. That difference, uh, the integrity of the work really lies with the person and that person's thinking. That's what's critical to what comes out, right? Because if you're just going to replicate something that looks like something else, then it will just be that. Oh, looks like that, but is not that. Mm-hmm. Correct? Like somebody else can make a phone that looks like iPhone, but if it doesn't have uh, uh all the uh, you know impressive features I, obviously i'm an iphone user <laughs> but you know the effortless uh workings of it's that a great phone, phone. yeah uh, it's, it's, a it's, a, it's an amazing phone it so it's feels, not just about how it looks it's it, also it's about feels. how it functions how it, it feels functions. yeah yeah i mean by now that by now meaning long time back that product is an icon right it, feels a certain way to have it, to use it, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many layers to how that product uh, has reached where it is. So nobody can just say, okay, I'm going to create a sleek looking phone like iPhone. That's not going to take anybody very far, right? So that's why your mind is like that. As long as you're focused on being original, um, I don't even, I won't even say being focused on it. I think just follow your deepest uh, and truest uh, passions. I'm saying you, and I'm also talking to myself uh, or anybody that's listening. I think because all of us have the same fears. Oh, if I see too much of something, will it start showing in my work also? And it does happen, right? In in a certain era when there were artists who started doing a certain kind of work, there there were other artists who got inspired and influenced and they did the same thing, but in a different way, in their own way. Right. So we will forever be there's nothing so so to say original anymore. Everything yeah. that is being said and done is already been has already been said and done. Right. So within that, it's a trap, right? How do you find your own original expression? I don't think we need to stress so much about it that we are not able to produce itself. 
So there are inspirations and we will continue to seek them. Uh, but we will also try to listen to ourselves and uh, translate what is what is our voice. And it will take time. I think I'm still trying to find my voice. I can't say after working 20 years in the corporate, 15 years in the art world, I know what I'm doing or what I truly stand for. No, I don't. I don't. I may have a definitive voice about something that I'm doing today, but I am still seeking. It's not a static uh, thing. It's a, it's a moving target, as they say, right? It's an evolution, especially as a creative person. I, it's not about creating one thing and then it just goes on and on and on. Or there are, I mean, you can have a formula as well and then you keep working on the same thing. That doesn't appeal to me. Mm. For me personally, this uh, struggle will continue to go. This struggle because I'm a seeker. I will stop existing when I'm not seeking. I'm very clear about it. So my art is not just about creating something that is physical, that's out in the world for people to see, understand, uh, relate to, but it is also my own experience, which is important to me. I mean, every artist is literally putting themselves into their work. And that's an important part of who I am as a creator. Do you have moments where you kind of are a little bit nervous that nothing good will come out of <laughs> nothing good will come out of this question <laughs> that's right <laughs> but go on i'm interested my own question um nothing good will come out of this you know you, you talked about this kind of evolutionary epochs i don't know if that's the right way to characterize it but you know let's say you're working on a certain series or a certain motif or something like that for a while and then you're like man i gotta i want to do something different you know there's this kind of urge to do something different i want to experiment with this or that but then there's this kind of uncertainty associated with it right because you haven't embarked on that space ever before and it could also one one side could crash and burn on another side it could do very well and whatever the definition is or it could be somewhere in the middle where you're constantly learning I guess have you you've I'm have you experienced that kind of like angst from uncertainty? Absolutely, I'm human. I'm human, not even at the pinnacle of what I do. So, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I will say that, for example, uh, for a few years, uh, once I was doing this series, the Felibata. Um, and then followed by another series, they were kind of, they not, not one naturally followed the other. And I was in this flow for almost eight years that I've been doing these painting series. And I personally feel I'm at an inflection point. You mean now? I think currently I am. Yeah. Um, I have been very uh, consistently, I've been very deeply engaged with uh, all this work that I have been doing for last eight years. But then I am ex exactly at that point, I think sometimes when I'm looking at, uh, you know, when I'm going along my paintings and I'm thinking, 
I want to experience this differently. I want this to be experienced differently. I think I want to weave in more of my experiences of past eight years into what I'm doing and take it forward. And yes, there is that chance, right? That what I'm doing currently, oh, it's being well received. And what if I change the formula and then something good may come out of it, something not so good may come out of it. But the point is, I have to be true to my own, uh, you know, sense of purpose. And if right now my purpose is to seek growth, because it's coming uh, truly from within, then I don't think I want to stop myself. So there will be some sort of uh, uh, activity I will engage in, which will help me to explore. And I am thinking of, um, for instance, you know, I do these oil paintings and I also work on mixed media using rice paper, digital images, wax, etc. And I have in the past done some sort of work uh, where these two sort of come together. I did it for a while and then I left it because I didn't think I was going anywhere with it. I paused it. I'm going back to it again. But in addition to that, there are certain other areas um, that I'm exploring, some that I'm thinking of uh, training myself in. So I don't know what the outcome will be, but I'm just going down that path. So it could be good, it could be bad, but it doesn't matter. Like I said, my approach has always been, you follow your instinct mm. and then see where that takes you. At some point, you will know if it is working, it is not working, but nothing is going waste. If you're spending time in exploring, experimenting, it's all building towards your experience as an artist. And honestly, nothing just comes to an artist. It's not that whatever you've seen of my work just came to me. It's a derivative of several steps. You know, my mixed media work started by, uh, I think the first thing that happened was photography. I was doing this tons of photography um, and an observation based process. At that point, I was not thinking of paper. So I think for one year, I was just doing photography. And that later on started building in as I looked more, I thought more. Um, I uh, The inspirations that were around me at that point in time, uh, that point in time that drew me to uh, towards rice paper. Uh, I was very inspired by oriental arts, um, you know, the art of storytelling on rice paper in the in some sort of a Chinese uh, uh, schools, um, calligraphy, a lot of uh, Japanese art on paper, etc. I was looking a lot into all those things, aesthetics, um, the study of aesthetics in, in Japanese culture, cultural and art uh, areas, etc. So it was all a process. The, what you see today, uh, some of my mixed media works, they didn't just, I didn't just go to my desk and say, oh, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It was, I think, a result of three years of work. And then all of it landed together and formed a certain, uh, a certain work that had something to say that I wanted to say in the manner I wanted to say it at that point in time. Today, I feel like I want to add a little more to it. I, or I want to say it a little differently. 
right? Because I'm evolving. I'm also um, exposed to different experiences. So now I, I want to add that to it. And it may work. It may not work. I don't know. I will not know till I try. Yeah. Right? So I will try. I am going to... Uh, um, uh, you know, acquire some additional skills in areas that I'm interested in. For example, printmaking, um, encaustic paintings, etc. I've never professionally done any courses in this, but I'm thinking of doing those uh, as they relate to my work in some ways. But and I want to focus on that specifically, and then see what can I take from there that I can add to my work. It may not work. I may go back to what I was doing, etc. Okay, that's cool. Maybe. I sorry does it make sense makes a ton of sense i mean it resonates with me a lot because i also kind of take courses online quite a bit to upgrade skills here or there or whatever it is and i i, I sort of have this kind of inkling in my subconscious not subconscious but some some kind of like nagging voice in the back like which says like you know they talk about these mad genius creatives who just have this infinite reservoir of talent and then they don't really have to go learn something from somebody they just kind of prolifically keep putting stuff out and i think to myself am i that sort of inferior grade quality guy where i have to constantly learn and i don't think i'm inferior grade quality guy i'm just saying that i go and seek all these these pieces of knowledge so i can just enhance and add and stuff like that um and you're in a sense you're validating that sort of process that I have in a way too. It was very uncommon too at at work. You know, for example, Preeti, is that in a corporate world, work I should say, is that people will point out often that oh, I will, you know, you're you're in, you're in, you're interested in continuous learning a lot. Like they would say this thing as though it was like it was this un, this th thing that needed to be pointed out and just this odd thing. And I thought to myself like. Like, I thought everybody did this, you know, and I guess not in some cases. But what you're saying, I mean, it's, I, I love it. I mean, it's music to my ears. Absolutely. But then again, it doesn't matter if others are not doing it. If that's yeah, yeah, it doesn't. what truly inspires you, by all means, keep, keep doing it. Keep evolving, keep growing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have so many examples of amazing people that have done this and keep doing it. I mean, if you look at some of your heroes, I mean, I don't know if it is Steve Jobs. You know what he was doing before uh, so many different uh, things came up in Apple, how he took that time off, how he went to India and he was meditating and he did this, uh, some sort of a, a course in calligraphy or something right. like that. Imagine it had nothing to do with what he used to do. Yeah, good point. And yeah, he, yeah. He listened to himself. Right. He did exactly whatever he went seeking exactly whatever his mind and heart was seeking. He didn't stop it. and just see how that translated into his work. Right. Wasn't Apple uh, one of the first companies that came up with so many different uh, typefaces? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He created that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it was inspired by that time he spent learning uh, calligraphy and then I think something or the other. I can't remember the whole story from his book, but that's how it happened. Yeah. Even his um, the I believe the iOS um, operating system mm -hmm. they used like a lot of it came from, you know, he started his own company called Next Next Computing. So it was this kind of 
a, a style of programming that he had introduced there and he brought all of that to bear into apple so yeah to that point you know nothing goes to waste it's always you put in uh, you get you get out of something as much as you put in yeah i mean same or thing more. it's all an additive you know everything just keeps uh, going into the final product i don't know what the final product is so we are constantly evolving and uh, that goal post keeps shifting yeah 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 um like this is one thing pretty i i bugs me a little bit is that in my city that i live in um i wish we had more kind of art forms and things i i, I so in preparation for this discussion i was i read a couple books so the artist journey and how your brain is on art i think that's the title of the book your brain on art sorry um and the point that they kind of keep making is that these kind of extremely therapeutic effects of looking at artwork mm -hmm. whatever it might be whatever form it is in and all this research that's just like there's a lot of evidence when people are exposed to art and nature and things like that it just has this kind of restorative effect it 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 there's just a tight correlation to a lot of positive things so it's like as a part of like even like from advocacy and things like that i'm thinking like i wish my city had less of a concrete look and more of that kind of like you know you have art forms in every street corner and things like that they just kind of remind you that there's this there's this aesthetic in life that that should draw you and just sort of make you reflect a little bit and rather than just looking at brown strip malls on the left and right of the street uh you know i'm so blessed to be in this city new york city is uh... it's just amazing yeah. it's just floating with creativity and invention and uh it's like a full on uh, experience of life everything that you can think of is happening here and going on here um, and people are just exploring and experimenting with different things and one of the things that really makes me happy is when i'm walking around and i see these various forms of public art mm and uh, i'm a big believer of art in public space because it completely uh, i think amongst many other things it democratizes art right it's not mm -hmm. just a thing that you have to go to a fancy gallery to see or just in a museum you know places of sort of prestige and obvious spaces where you can find art and many people find that uh, intimidating what's intimidating walking into a museum or going into a gallery because oh, yeah. they need to be well versed and they need to be able to make some sort of an artistically stimulating conversation or understand it and it they become a little apprehensive mm -hmm. right but when you see art in the in public spaces it's the most beautiful experience to happen where people can just see whatever they are seeing and process their own thought process and enjoy that piece of art 
because it's not one is of course like you said the aesthetic aspect of it and if you notice a lot of works that are in public art um i think have to uh, sort of conform to some some sort of aesthetics because it needs to stand out in a crowded space if you suddenly put a public art and it's so subtle that nobody can even see it either in size or the way it has been commissioned etc so you will find that there is a certain kind of language materials etc that are used uh, in a public art thing but that is just one aspect of it uh, you'll see some sort of a structure some sculpture something or the other right but then there is a thought behind it and most of these public art uh, not most all of them have to relate to the environment where they are in again they're not just flogged out there you know uh, artists curators have to submit a uh, it's very tedious you have to oh, really? really work on a proposal and say why and what you are proposing and how does it fit into that you know that uh, how does it speak to the space around it the demographics everything okay. has to make sense so that's the thing about art that's what makes it special it's not just something that you take in visually, whether you're going to a museum gallery or you're experiencing a public art, but that is the importance of art and culture. It makes you think, and any good art should make you think. It shouldn't just stop at your, you know, eyes meeting something visually, and then you look at it, and then you move on to the next thing. But if it makes you look at it, ponder, experience something internally ask some questions then i think as an artist i have succeeded in taking some amount of your mind space and cultivated some nature of thinking and made you in that moment be very present and take you away from everything else so I think art in uh, anywhere, public spaces, uh, is just such a beautifully inspiring interaction. And I totally agree with you. Some of us who live in these cities uh, are just blessed with it. Yeah. And for me, I'm obviously a little more alive to it because uh, that's where my mind is 100% of the time. So I'm walking around, I'm just taking in and absorbing these uh, vibrations. For instance, I live on the 72nd Street and there is a subway uh, platform here. And uh, there's a building right next door where uh, uh, Lennon used to live. Wow. And Ono still has uh, an apartment there. I don't know if she still lives there, but she used to at least for a couple of months. So the subway station, which is right uh, literally below that apartment building, uh, uh, Yoko Ono has executed a beautiful uh work out there at the subway and she's taken inspiration from you know the song imagine mm. and that feeling of uh you know beautiful free world there's a lovely white and blue uh work which is adorning that station every time i come home or i'm leaving somewhere that work always puts me in a very different state of mind and the words imagine and that is what, you know, I mean, people say art, uh, in some ways, it's totally dispensable, right? Because who can afford it? 
and people only who can afford it or have the luxury of uh, uh, you know embarking on it but the point is can you imagine life without art or culture no matter how uh, small a, a role we think it's playing in the economics of a place but look at what it does imagine no music no paintings no sculptures no theater no uh, i don't know no shows no movies so i feel like everything i mean i feel like everything is art right like if even engineering is like if you're putting out a, a truck for example that is also some it there was no truck prior to that and somebody put out a truck there was this creative moment where this these things came together and that is also a form of art that's okay yeah sorry you were saying yeah i, I was just going to make making the point that you were talking about uh, you know some people have this notion that art is dispensable i i guess i was making the opposite point that art is indispensable because art comes in like like even even if you think about engineering it is i mean we put a put a name on it we put a we, we, engineering you know is the kind of like the english word that kind of limits the kind of work but there's a lot of there is this creative element they there was no transmissions in a truck before and then somebody came up with these wheel structures that mesh with each other and then they reduce speed and increase torque and all these things like that's these are all creative somebody's creative act at some point yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean i think art uh was the first form of recording history is that critical so uh i'm going back to the cave art right yeah back in the day when they were making those very rudimentary figures of a man uh hunting or a woman cooking etc they were recording their times right right so literally that was like the first piece of uh, recorded history and all of us as artists are doing that we are we are in i think what we are doing is that we are we are presenting something that relates to our current times and artists have done that through the ages if you go back and look at various movements in uh, in in art history or the kind of art that was being made it all relates to the current times their current times right there was so much art that was made um from the pain and agony of wars so much art that was made right um and similarly i mean somebody like andy warhol he was making a commentary on when back in the day um the whole capitalist movement was taking grips and uh increased consumerism etc and artists find a way to be motivated by their current times and that informs their work and that's how they express themselves and that's how they speak to let's call it an issue or something something of that nature you know a commentary on our times 
So that's an interesting part. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pondering over that point and thinking like, anyway, um, not, not worth I making the point. be relevant, right? Whatever we are doing today, I mean, if we are talking about AI is because AI is relevant today, it's, uh, it's one of the most talked about things, etc. So I think art is very similar within that painting, I think is a traditional art form but it still remains relevant today. But what people are doing with that art form and how it relates to the situation is something that you will be able to see. If you go to a museum and you go to, uh, you know, different aspects and how they uh, display the art, right, through uh, a certain period and then, you know, move on to more current period, contemporary art, you will see the difference in how artists express themselves. And that's evolution. That's speaking to the times um, of the period that they were present in and what all we are doing, seeing now, which is relevant to uh, current times, so much of uh, technology-based art. Mm -hmm. So art has not just stayed limited to just painting and drawing or creating sculptures, but um, there is so much that is going on today because it represents our current times and people have found new ways to say things and speak to those uh, technologies and uh, use those technologies to express their ideas yeah and there's a lot of utility to it right like i like there's this guy danish Sate. i don't know if you've heard of him yeah he's he's a you know he does a lot of mimicry and satire and things like that that guy i mean he's from bangalore and he captures the essence of almost every stereotype I grew up with in Bangalore, like, you know, Ram Murthy, you know, it's this kind of like uncle kind of figure and, you know, just an older gentleman or whatever, and just got this range of people that he mimics and it makes it funny. And I was thinking, man, this guy carved out such a, such a niche for himself. And it's just so hilarious. It's satirical. It, it has an effect of us wanting to reflect on ourselves because we kind of fall into those kind of stereotypical traps. Um, I'm so thankful that this guy exists, for example. He, <laughs> he just kind of makes me laugh my ass off. Uh, but I also think to, to, to people who are looking at it, like, I hope you reflect a little bit. I hope society reflects on itself. And there's so much of a utility to that, right? Like, the art has... They, 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 I felt, I feel like there's, you could not sit down somebody and lecture somebody, but you can appeal to their their feelings, their senses in that technology-based art. And there's, it's just very underrated in society of how much of a sort of an impact it has on our psyches and our subconscious and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I don't think it's a, a deniable fact at all. Yeah. Right. And, and and today, even more so, um, somebody I was talking to made this big uh, remark about how in the end uh, artists are going to save the world. Art is good, not artists. Art is going to save the world. Mm. You know, as we are at different levels getting uh, as a world and uh, species getting gloomy. Um, yeah. I think so much of the world is also now focusing on uh, alternative uh, ways to 
approach life, whether it is uh, getting more into themselves through meditation, yoga, or uh, doing, um, you know, some deep thinking, uh, or, uh, you know, pursuing arts in a very different way, healing, etc., etc. It's uh, a very interesting world that we live in today. Yeah. Possibilities are endless, and to me, that will forever remain exciting. Yeah, I um, we're, we've been going for a while. I want to be sensitive to your time, Preeti. I know you're a busy person. Yes, I was about to say that. <laughs> uh, and that, I think, is a very happy note to end on. That <laughs> yes, possibilities it is. are endless. I have to go and support a friend, some friends of mine who are having a show today. Okay. And, uh, they have an opening tonight. So, yes, I'd like to part of um, part of my life to show up for my friends. Uh, and see what they're doing. So yes. Uh, well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your time, your valuable experience, your knowledge, your intelligence, your intellect, your feelings, everything. I I learned a lot. I'll definitely be watching this over and over again, learning even uh, you're more. Very you're very kind. Thank no, you. No, I absolutely that. mean it. And uh, I really appreciate it, Preeti, for coming on the Idea Sandbox. I really appreciate it. You're giving you. this is a gift to me and the world. Oh my God! Thank you so much. I um, I managed to say whatever I could. I could. <laughs> but I totally enjoyed this very free flowing conversation. I thought we were going to talk a lot about my work, but this was very comfortable. I didn't have to talk a lot about my work, but more about yeah. you know ideas that we can relate to, and uh, you know how my work might relate to that. So. Um, Yes, the possibilities are endless and I wish you all the best in your uh, journey, creative or otherwise. And uh, we should keep talking. You never know, maybe at some point in time when we are both at a different, uh, you know, at a different stage in our lives, it will be great to reconnect. But in the meantime, I wish you the best. And Thank you. I wish you the best too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye.